Typically, when you think of a neighbor, you think of a friendly face. Sometimes a friend. Sometimes someone that you can just share a kind greeting with as you pass each other as you go about your day. But what happens when all of that changes over one disagreement? Would you stand your ground or hide in your house to avoid confrontation? Today, we're going to be discussing what happens when neighbors turn deadly. This story takes place in a Houston suburb. Linda Robinson was living out her widowed years by herself, but would be visited by her three daughters as often as possible. Linda's neighbor, Joe Jackson, would help her as often as he could since she lived on her own. Joe was described as helpful, trustworthy, and always willing to lend a hand where he could. He had gone through a divorce and was living alone with his dogs, but he longed for a relationship. Joe and Linda would often have dinner together, but Linda wasn't the only woman in the neighborhood that Joe would seek companionship with. Joe was also financially struggling since his divorce and would often ask for financial assistance from the other neighbors. Linda would meet a man named Wilbur Walters while she was out dancing one night, and they quickly fell for each other. This would cut into Joe's time with Linda, and this would also be the start of the slowly rising tension. Joe would confide with his other neighbors that he didn't like Linda's choice in men, saying that Linda wasn't the same person that he used to know. Joe would also begin to become jealous as Wilbur started helping Linda with tasks that he would normally do. Not only would this take a toll on Joe mentally, but it would also affect him financially because Linda would pay him for the tasks that he would do for her. Joe would begin selling his handyman equipment in an effort to support himself and his dogs. As Joe sees his life falling apart, he also sees Linda's life on the incline. But when he sees Jane Cunningham moving into the neighborhood, he sees his opportunity to turn things around. Jane had also gone through a divorce and would accept Joe's help. Before long, Jane allowed Joe to move into her home. As Joe was moving into Jane's house, Wilbert was backing out of the driveway and the tires of his truck were on Jane's lawn as he was backing out. Joe felt that he was now the man of the house, so in a first strike of retaliation, he would drive nails into a plank of wood and place it in the grass between the two houses in an effort to stop Wilbert from parking in the grass. This would enrage Wilbert, and he threw the nailed plank of wood at Joe. As tensions rise, Joe and Jane decide to start breeding their dogs. As the plan goes into action, things get out of hand when Jane realizes that they are now up to a total of 35 dogs. Linda and Wilbur start to complain about the noise and the smell coming from next door. Eventually, Wilbur confronts Joe in regards to the situation with the dogs. The confrontation almost becomes physical. Later on, Linda's son, James, returns home from a prison sentence. James was described as a very intimidating person. During their celebration party for James's return, the dogs would take a toll on the party and James attempts to take care of the situation. When this doesn't work, Linda calls the police in regards to Joe's dogs. 
When the police arrived, Joe was warned to clean up the mess or they would be back. Joe attempted to clean up the mess, but the number of dogs makes it nearly impossible to keep the mess cleaned up for long. Soon after, Joe's dogs start dying, one by one. Joe then digs a pit in the backyard and places each dog that had passed away into the pit. He then sets the pit on fire. Joe suspects that his neighbors are to blame for the tragedy and he begins to become very protective over the dogs that had survived. Joe then confronts Wilbert and James, accusing them of poisoning food with antifreeze and throwing it over the fence for his dogs, but Linda diffuses the situation. Joe then starts to lose his grip on reality and begins to threaten Linda and her family with death. This forces Linda to call the police once again, but Joe was let off with another warning. This enrages James, and he decides to walk next door to confront the neighbors from the fence that divided their yard. As James was trying to get the attention of Joe and Jane, the dogs broke through the fence and attacked James. He then picked up a stick and fought for his life in self-defense. James survives the ordeal. This prompts Linda to call animal control. When they arrive to remove the dogs from the property, Joe and Linda convince them to let them keep their dogs. After the call to animal control, this causes the tension to reach a new high. Joe sees James drive over his lawn and this pushes Joe past his breaking point. He then confronts James with a gun and James attempts to intimidate Joe and slap the gun away. Joe claims that James threatened to kill him and Jane. This pushes Joe even further and he pulls the trigger. Linda hears the gunshot and runs outside to find her son laying in the street. She then begins to scream for someone to call 911. While the horror scene unfolds outside, Joe goes into his house to call Jane and inform her that he had just shot James. The police show up and arrest Joe, and the paramedics rush James to the hospital. The police had to wait for the dogs to be removed from the property before they could enter the home and investigate. What they find in the house is absolute filth and stench due to dog feces. James survives, but the gunshot left him paralyzed from the waist down. Joe was charged with aggravated assault and was sentenced to seven years in prison. Jane moved away 18 months after the shooting, and Linda remains in her home. This next story takes place near a lake house in Minnesota. Warren and Marcy, along with their three kids, Nikki, Jody, and Eric, and their dog Ben, move into their dream home. It's a huge change from the life that they were used to. Up until now, the family had lived on a dairy farm. Warren was the manager at a factory, and Marcy ran the farm, so this was a new start for the family. Their neighbors moved, and a 72-year-old named Paul had left his apartment in the city and decided to take up residence 
in the newly vacant home. The neighbors would initially get along in the beginning. Warren would introduce Paul to his father in an effort to help the retired printer meet new people to interact with. Warren's effort to become friends with his new neighbor would ultimately fail due to the loner mentality of Paul. Warren was the complete opposite and would always have company at his home. But one thing that Warren and Paul did have in common is that the lake home property was their dream come true. Normally, neighbors would share the docking area, but Paul wasn't willing to warm up to that idea. Paul had a history of fighting with neighbors over property lines. He would study the plat book that breaks down the layout of the property lines along the lake shore. What he found would change the once peaceful atmosphere of the neighbors. Paul found that the property line didn't match the markers that had been placed on the land and the dock was also on his property. Paul pointed out the discrepancy to Warren and requested the dock to be moved, but Warren refused and this is when the friendly neighbor vibes would shift. The men would avoid each other during the fall. Warren was preparing his lakefront for the winter by removing the dock from the water but Paul was using his free time to contact a surveyor in regards to the property line dispute. The surveyor agreed with Paul and he began to put up fence posts along the new property line. Warren became angry and demanded the land be resurveyed when he's able to be present. This would lead Warren to call the police. When they arrive, they inform him that the only way to resolve this issue is to go to court but Warren knows that this will take time and money that he does not have. It's winter now, and Eric, Warren's youngest son, was sledding, and he accidentally ran into one of Paul's property markers. Legally, once a property marker is removed, it can only be placed back into position by a licensed surveyor. Winter comes and goes, and it's now spring and Paul notices that his marker has been knocked over. In retaliation, Paul places his own dock where Warren's dock would normally go, and due to the terrain of the property, that was the only location that a dock could be placed. Warren then stepped on the dock to confront Paul, and Paul demanded Warren to get off his property. This enrages Warren, and he begins to kick over the property markers and calls a surveyor of his own but the cost was too much for Warren. A few days later, Paul began to make improvements on his home. While Paul was mowing his lawn, he ran over a rock with his mower, and he felt that it was placed there by Warren's kids in an act of retaliation. Paul then finds droppings in his yard and begins to feel attacked and Paul then claims that Warren's youngest son is now shooting at him and using him as target practice. Warren decides that he's sick of being denied use of the dock and he informs his kids to use it as if it was theirs. Warren felt that until things were settled, it was still their dock. Paul would emerge from his house and begin shouting and cursing at the kids and demanding that they get off of his dock. This causes Warren to confront Paul, saying, Don't you ever take this out on my kids. 
Paul would then contact the authorities to sort out what his legal rights were. They informed Paul that he needed to get a good lawyer. This would cause a civil suit to be launched and a new surveyor was brought out to the property to take new measurements. Marcy sees what's happening and she calls Warren and he heads straight home. This was Warren's breaking point and he began to rip out the stakes that the surveyors had just placed and Paul threatened to call the police. Paul's oldest daughter, Nikki, decides that she doesn't want to be around the rising tempers and requests to be taken to a baseball game that she was invited to. Warren agrees and takes his daughter to the game. While they're gone, Paul's other kids, Eric and Jody, decide to go back down to the dock and this lights a fuse with Paul. He made his way down to the dock and demanded that they get off of his property. Paul calls the police to complain about the children being on the dock and he shows the officer the new property line. The officer stated that he would do what he could to assist in the situation. When Warren returned home from dropping off Nikki, the officer approached him and asked if he had been purposely agitating Paul. Warren stated that he hadn't been doing anything and that the dispute over the property line would be handled in court as it's supposed to be. The officer asked Warren if he could keep the children off the dock until the situation was resolved in court and he agreed. The officer then leaves the property. It's believed that Warren then came outside and began yelling slurs at Paul. Paul then decided to load his 25 caliber pistol and head over to Warren's property. He would then shoot Warren outside on his porch. When Jody realized what had happened, she ran outside and Paul would gun her down with three gunshots to the chest. Marcy was on the phone with 911 when Paul found her and he would also gun her down. Paul ran out of ammo and returned to his home to retrieve more. Eric then took over the phone call with 911. While Paul was gathering more ammunition, he called his ex-wife and asked her to come to his house. While Eric was on the phone with 911, Paul would return with a 22 caliber rifle and shoot the family dog and then head inside to find Eric on the phone. Paul ripped the phone line out of the wall and shot and killed Eric. Paul then went outside and turned the gun on himself. Nikki was the only survivor due to being out of the house while the murders occurred. The next and final story begins in Phelan, California. Angela Leard and her daughter, Chelsea, had moved to Phelan to escape the city life. Their neighbors were Michelle and Vlad Jones, along with their son, Jeff. But they're about to get a new neighbor, Dennis Fletcher. Dennis was a single father and had two daughters, Lisa and Kelly. The kids and parents quickly started to get to know one another, and eventually the relationship started to form and the kids would take turns staying the night at each other's houses and the families would share holidays. Angela would eventually meet Rusty, her new boyfriend, and Dennis would quickly befriend him. 
Rusty would move in with Angela, but he would soon after be caught kissing another woman behind Angela's house. After the incident, Chelsea would confide in her mother that Rusty had been molesting her. This would obviously light a fire under Angela and she confronted Rusty about the accusation. Rusty denied the entire thing and Dennis would take his side. This would shift the friendly neighborhood dynamic. Although Dennis trusted Rusty, he questioned his daughters to make sure that Rusty hadn't crossed an unforgivable line. They both would say that nothing had ever happened. Angela would call the cops on Rusty and he would be arrested and charged with child endangerment, but the case never went to trial due to lack of evidence. Rusty believes that Angela is making the accusations because she had caught him cheating and Dennis believes him. Dennis would still have Rusty at his house and this would cause an uproar between him and Angela. Dennis told Angela that it was his house and he would have Rusty over as much as he wanted to and Angela would strike back with questions as to how Dennis could have someone that had been accused of molestation around his daughters. The community sides with Angela on the matter and eventually Rusty would stop coming around but this still made Dennis a target. He would see this as Angela's fault. Dennis would begin to put up signs in his yard that targeted Angela as a liar. This would cause him to be threatened and he had rocks thrown through his windows and he would believe that his neighbors were responsible. Dennis began to fear for his and his daughter's safety and he constructed a fence made of railroad ties and sheet metal. This angered Angela and she began to throw glass bottles and trash over Dennis's fence. Soon after, Vlad began to do burnouts in his car in front of Dennis's house and he almost struck one of Dennis's daughters. This infuriated Dennis and he ran over to confront Vlad. The confrontation turned physical when Vlad struck Dennis in the face and broke his nose. Dennis added to his fence instead of calling the police on Vlad. This was the final straw for Angela and she put her house up for sale. The fence would be a thorn in the side for any potential buyers. But Dennis would also make sure to drive down the road and scream at anyone who was looking at the house and warn them to not purchase the home. Angela would soon after take the house off the market. This wasn't the end of the feud. Angela had met a man named Adam Owen and he was there to protect Angela and her daughter. Adam demanded that Dennis stop speaking to Angela and the demands from Adam would soon turn to threats. Eventually, Adam and his friend Robert Light would move into Angela's home. This would make Angela feel like she was finally in charge of her home again, but Dennis would install cameras due to the fear of what Adam and Robert could do. Angela saw this as an invasion of privacy. When Adam begins to threaten Dennis due to the cameras, he makes the decision to arm himself with a gun. Dennis then began to have dreams of being beaten by Adam, so he starts sleeping with a gun under his pillow. 
but Dennis didn't keep the gun a secret and began to fire the gun at targets in his backyard. Angela called the cops in hopes that they would take the gun away from Dennis, but he had a permit and the officer took Dennis's side. The fact that Angela called the cops lights a fuse with Dennis and he chooses to confront her, but Adam would begin to threaten Dennis once again. Adam began to tell Dennis to draw the gun and pull the trigger, but Dennis walks away. Dennis's daughter, Kelly, had had enough of the feud and chooses to move out now that she is of age and she takes her sister, Lisa, with her. Dennis is alone now and he begins to feel defenseless. Soon after, Dennis is watching the news and he hears Adam and Robert outside his home. When he walks outside, he sees Adam, Angela, and Robert. Dennis stated that Robert attacked first. Dennis grabbed Robert's shoulder and this causes Robert to stumble backwards. This gave Dennis enough time to grab his gun and he shoots Adam and then Angela and last he shoots Robert. Dennis calls 911 to report the attack. The cops would arrive and they arrest Dennis. The shots to Adam, Angela, and Robert would prove fatal. Dennis was charged with three counts of murder and was facing life without parole, but he would plead in self-defense. On August 11th, 2011, Dennis was found not guilty and was believed to be acting in self-defense. Dennis still lives in the same home. Well guys, that's it. If you like what you heard and you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps us out a ton and we will be releasing episodes every other week. If you're listening to just the audio portion, please be sure to share the episode. And guys, we will see you next time.